Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Three CR eight five five AM digital three CR dot org dot AU. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Three CR proudly broadcasting from lands of the original inhabitants and paying respects to elders past and present, and acknowledging our lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, intersex, and queer Indigenous elders who, in turn, include sister girls and brother boys for their unique contributions to diversity on and around the land. I'm Sally Goldner, your host for the next hour of a show covering pansexual issues. If you want to get in touch with the show, lots of ways to do it. Um, you can um, get in touch via um, email, remember that. That's so 2010 or something, but it is still there, out of the pan855 at gmail.com. You can text 61. 61- 401-078-981, that number again, 61 I'm aiming for late night television. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line, or look for the post for today's um, show um, show on Facebook at Out of the Pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne or on my own personal page. Um, opened up today with Don Henley, The End of the Innocence. Don in town at the moment. Um, I decided to go down in my best um, out-of-the-blue voice. Um, I got close to the blue. I decided to go down to the beach at Torquay yesterday, and on the way there saw the sign to go to Day on the Green, turn here, and I remember Don Henley was on, but um, unfortunately beyond my little budget. Um, but if you're in town, Don, um, hi. Thank you for all your great music. That was the title cut of um, The End of the Innocence from um, the late 1980s and um, 1989 specifically, um, a great album and a great musician. And I played that today because in the second and probably third segments, um, I'm going to be chatting to Alastair Laurie. And unfortunately, we did get to the end of The Innocence um, when uh, last year with a lot of queer phobia going on. Alastair's put some research out, so I want to just uh, mention that now. Um, it could be triggering, but I think we've got to talk about it. Um, as I said on the post today, there's sort of there's good news and there's bad news. Well, that is the bad news, but I suppose we can't really avoid it. I wish we could. I wish we had zero queer phobia, of course, and zero racism and sexism and all the rest. But sometimes we have to talk about it and see where we can go from there. But of course, there has been good news this week, um, which is very, very welcome. And on Wednesday, I got a little email. There's going to be a very big government rainbow equality announcement Um uh, on Friday, so I um, dragged myself out of my bed. I managed to get down to um, Fitzroy Street St Kilda in time for this important announcement, and it was the announcement of the location of the Pride Centre. Um, and this is one of the government's commitments from um, about 18 months ago. It was announced 18 months ago. Um, so um, it was, um, uh, you know, has been followed up on with the first stage 
with an announcement that um, the location will be on Fitzroy Street, the corner of Jackson Street. Now, let's put, try to put that into context. Imagine you're at Pride March. You start at the um, down the end, opposite diagonally opposite the um, pub um, there, um, closer to sort of St Kilda Road. You then walk down Fitzroy Street, you go over Grey Street. The next side street on the left at the moment, there's a 7-Eleven on one corner, is um, Jackson Street. So, look, I've got to say both general location, I think it's pretty sensible. St Kilda has a huge queer history in Melbourne, no question. It's also one that I think is one people working in the sex industry, of whom 60-plus percent are queer, would represent. There was talk about the Pride Centre going to, a, say, a university campus, and unfortunately... Um, um, unis have not been kind to past or present sex workers in that often people are thrown out of courses like law or medicine um, simply because they're sex workers. And I'm trying to find out if there is um, any legal possibility of dealing with that um, and hoping to get someone from either Vixen Collective or Scarlet Alliance on the show to talk about these issues. I still am gobsmacked when I heard about that. So it's good that it's in an area and generally and specifically that I think will work for most of the rainbow community. There's going to be, as there is in Melbourne sometimes, debates about north side versus south side, and people, um, all the queers who live in Thornbury are going to go, what, we have to go south of the river? But look, I think it's good, and of course the thing is, if Pride March stays in the city of Port Phillip, which is pretty likely, um, every year we'll walk by the Pride Centre. It's a very clever piece of work. The land is um, freehold, um, you know, it can be built on pretty quickly. We should be able to get building going within 12 months. And I think that's very, very welcome. So City of Port Phillip chipping in, quite a well chipping in, putting a fair bit of money in as well, which is um, um, cool as well. Um, commiserations, I suppose, to City of Yarra and City of Melbourne, who apparently put in tenders as well. In the end, none of the unis did. The way forward, though, is going to be critical. There's a lot of groups, um, um, you know, and I'm talking first-hand confidential information, both big and small groups who don't feel the process so far has been great, that it's been very rushed, that it's been left to a few people. And um, I think that's going to have to really change now. There's concern, I think I mentioned this on the show, maybe late last year about use of language already like major tenants. What are the rest of us, the minor tenants, the minion tenants? I don't know. So there's still some work to be done. Um, the building needs to be inclusive of all. Um, I'm hoping to chat um, sometime soon to someone who does do architecture for, and looks at perspectives of various minority groups. Now, I'm not just talking mobility issues. It's obviously got to cover that. Um, and I would think if it's going to be a brand, if it is going to be a brand new building, one would hope it would have um, be totally disability inclusive um, in terms of. Um, mobility, but also, of course, for everyone. And so you'd have ramps and the right amount of lifts and all that sort of thing and the right sort of toilets. And one hopes that experts, say, like Jack's Jackie Brown and Jared Marion would be um, have their expertise paid for to assist in designing that. So, you know, which is another issue we need to talk about, about, um, you know, the constant exploitation by government and some of the larger queer organisations of not paying um, people for their expertise. Um so um, still work to be done, no question, but look, as I say, a good choice of site overall and a bit of good news for the queer community. Well, good news, I said, as I said in the Facebook post, there's good news and there's bad news. We've had two bits of good news during the week, um, and one that came to me actually just after I did the Facebook post, um, we talk about we're not quite breaking news, 
Japan has a trans man in public office. Um, Japan has just elected its first trans man, so someone um, recorded female at birth based on their body, um, expected to be identified as female, but no identified as male, so a trans man. Think Chaz Bono, if you like, for listeners who are not as familiar with the situation. The t- um, so um, t- Tomoya Hosoda is a councillor for the city of Iruma, and the 25-year-old won one of the 22 seats up for grabs in, we'll call it a local government election. And Japan has already had a trans politician, Kamakawa Aya, and of course New Zealand had Georgina Bayer, if we're going to go over to intersex. Tony Briffer, of course, a local government official in Melbourne in the city of Hobson's Bay for most of the last 13 years, apart from a three-year break, including a stint as mayor, to our knowledge, the first intersex person experiencing intersex to be a mayor anywhere in the world. So this is really good to see that um, um, we have it. But I think it says something about the issues of trans men that we've got a 25-year-old doing it and it's taken that long. And it shows often that trans men have not been visible. Often in training and education sessions, we ask people to name a trans man. And after they've got sorted through the terminology and thought, oh, Caitlin, Janet, no, um, you know, someone else. And then you mention Chasmo and we go, who else is there? Well, we've now got two. So this is really awesome. Well done, um, Tamoya. Um, I have to try to get you on the show. Um, very, very awesome. But the other awesome news this week um, for me came from um, um, Simona um, Capsic, um, Simona, a trans woman who is a DJ, um, Simona Castricum, and I'm just trying to get to this post um, which she permitted me to share. Now, it's all you know. We, it's great that we have, we'll say, the in inverted commas, the big news like a um, you know the announcement of a pride centre or something like that. Very always very welcome, but Simona passed, posted last week, um, and I'm just trying to get to the post um, about a fantastic event that happened at the Golden Plains Music Festival. Um, and I don't know anything about music festivals, with the possible exception of Tamworth. Here we go. Um, posted on the 13th of March. Congrats to Brook Powers and Habits for killing it on Saturday night at Golden Plains Festival. Um, and um, Simona says, this year was different because if you're trans, non-binary or queer, because for once at a major music festival, we were at the front and on the stage and in numbers, we ruled the stage and we ruled the the SUP now. It's apostrophe SUP, and I admit I don't know what that means. Any dance music um, music festival fans, please contact us. Um, and Mo climbed the desk with a tractor controller um, and all this sort of thing, and that's really all. And... I don't know what that means either, but, um, <clears throat> um, and Maya's vocal screamed, I'm going to put on some lipstick, I'm going to take a selfie, but the crowd kept singing it. Um, not even bad luck would silence our community, nobody stopped. So as um, um, Simona says here, a little bit of, um, I'd better say F dot dot Kane big history um, on, on last Sunday night. I totally agree with that. And that might, people might say, well, what does that do? It just puts a bit more queer and trans and gender diverse visibility out there. It's another step for trans kind, if I can use that saying. You know, another safe space, another space where we are celebrated, which all diversity needs to be. So well done to all involved. Um, very, very awesome. Um, you know, as I say, it might, it might not seem like a big thing, like announcing the location of a Pride Centre. No, both are equally as big. So well done to all the people involved there. Rainbow awesomeness at its best. Um, 
So let's remember that. I wanted to put those two, three stories in before we got to talk to Alastair Laurie about his um, research on queerphobia, just to remind us that for all the difficulties we face, um, in the words of the WWE universe, or almost, yes, it's WrestleMania in about two weeks, we are awesome, clap, 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 clap. We are awesome, clap, 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 clap. And we are entitled, in the words of an old song, this time sung by Kate Sobrano and friends from the ABC TV series of some years ago, um, we are entitled to our house. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au. Out of the pan with Sally. Freedom of Species is a show about animals, for animals, listened to by humans. Tune in Sundays, 1 p.m. CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3CR.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au and on demand, out of the pan um, with Sally on a Sunday afternoon. And um, yeah, for those listening live on the Sunday... Um, Freedom of Species coming up at one, but their podcasts are always there. And I've got to say, the um, the podcast is up for last week's Freedom of Species, which talks about how to communicate your message. Yes, it's from an environmental point of view, but all the themes of it easily adaptable to queer and any social justice concern. Great show, um, as always. So tune in. I'm surrounded by environment, of course. Um, prior to the show, of course, was out of the blue. I did get some blue yesterday. I went down to Torquay Beach and chilled myself for the last warm weekend of the summer. Um, And of course, lots of news and views. And sometimes, however, the news is stuff that can be difficult to talk about. And I will give trigger warnings for mentions of um, verbal and um, physical queerphobia. But I think we've got to talk about this, as many people remember, on so many levels. Last year, the year between 2015 and 2017, was a very difficult year. And in Australia, um, it seemed to be very difficult for queers. Well, someone who did some research into that is on the line, and I'm joined from Sydney by Alastair Laurie. Alastair, welcome to 3CR. Nice to be with you, Sally. Yeah, well, it's it's good to be with you, and of course, you're a veteran of the queer community, having had roles with both the Victorian and New South Wales gay and lesbian rights lobbies, and it's nice to be with you, but unfortunately, we've got a difficult topic, but we've got to talk about it, and that was the difficult year and some of the things that happened last year for Australia's queer community, and you decided in light of things that were happening, like the plebiscite and the... Um, some, I think it's fair to say, in our opinion, distorted debate about safe schools to do some research on how rainbow peeps in Australia were coping. I might start by asking, was there a particular moment where you said, I've got to do this and really find out what's going on, or was it a cumulative thing? 
Uh, from my perspective, there were at least three reasons why I did this research. Mm-hmm. First, as you mentioned, 2016 was a rubbish year for uh, a lot of us and a lot of us in the community, and it certainly felt pretty rough. But the social scientist in me wanted the, the research to confirm that fact. But the two more important reasons, uh, first was our opponents have now taken to saying that basically discrimination no longer exists that the LGBTIQ community um, doesn't experience homophobia, biphobia, transphobia or intersex phobia anymore uh, and that therefore there's no real reason to, to progress any further law reforms. And I think disappointingly some of the moderates and, and allies of our community are starting to believe that. So this research is there to remind them that these types of discrimination, this verbal abuse, this physical abuse continues and it's an issue that uh, needs to be addressed. Uh, and the final reason is, as, as you say, a veteran of uh, LGBTIQ advocacy, um, this type of research is essential as we try to uh, argue for more um, important law reforms, including anti-vilification laws. So mm-hmm. currently in Australia, uh, only four states and territories have LGBTI anti-vilification laws. Yeah. Uh, there's no protections federally. Uh, and I think this research confirms the need for it but also more broadly that uh, we need to improve and strengthen the anti-discrimination laws that do exist around the country. Yeah, oh, look, totally agree with that. And first of all, I want to acknowledge, and we'll talk about this in detail as we um, have our chat, your mention of homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, intersex phobia. Yes, there's commonalities, but yes, there's differences. And totally agree with all you've said, but the thing is we can, you know, has some... Um, well, look, Martin Luther King was right when he said the law may not change the heart, but it may restrain the heartless and the law is helpful. But, you know, we've also got to change social policy in your research, you know, which is ultra current is going to, you know, in as we said, as difficult as it is, is going to um, um, give us some muscle to flex to do that. Um, and, you, you know, all the points you raised were valid. It just was, you know, so cumulative. Let's try to drill into the research. Let's perhaps get an overview first of um, your findings. And I point out, first of all, you're doing releasing this in stages. You've released the first two parts. So when I suppose there's two levels to overview. One is, you know, you've done two parts. How many more are there to come? And two, what have those two parts told us, we'll say, in overview? Sure. Uh, so the first two parts have looked at uh, LGBTQ uh, LGBTIQ Australians and their experiences of firstly uh, verbal harassment and abuse and then physical uh, abuse or violence. And the remaining four parts will look at where we experience discriminatory comments uh-huh. and then in discrimination in education, in employment and in health and other community services. Got it. Uh, the survey itself um, was conducted at the start of the year ended up with 1,672 valid responses, uh, more than 600 people who identified as gay, 500 bi, 500 queer, uh, almost 400 trans and more than 300 lesbian. Uh, And it made sure that there are at least 100 responses from every state uh, and more than 60 responses from people who were Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander. So hopefully uh, it's a... a fairly representative sample of the country. I think from the way you've put that, it is. And I mean, you know, the fact that um, 
groups that sometimes get <clears throat> excuse me overlooked in rainbow research you've mentioned them all and you've also um well, the one that also comes in you've done analysis by age which can be really important as well i think that's a really good approach so starting let's say i know that you've you know it's great that there we have looked at separate groups overall what's it was some well, the executive summary standout sort of stats um, on the two parts you've released so far on verbal and physical um, violence. Again, difficult as that is to talk about. Um, and we, I will just mention straight away, actually, if, you're, if you need support, QLife, 1-800-184-527. But yeah, what's the overall um, picture? And then we'll drill into perhaps the various groupings. Sure. So in terms of verbal harassment or abuse, uh, three in four survey respondents said that they had experienced that at one point in their lives, uh, and 48%, or basically one in two, said that they experienced that in 2016. Uh, in terms of physical abuse or violence, uh, 26%, or one in four, said mm-hmm. that they had experienced that at some point in their lives, uh, and 7.8%, or roughly one in every 13 survey respondents, said that at least one instance of that happened last year alone. Mm. It's pretty sobering stuff, and I've got to say, as a, a veteran of the queer community, the first piece of Australian research I can remember, and there may well have been some before this, was the Victorian Gay and Lesbian Rights Lobby's Enough is Enough in 2000, which looked at um, physical um, violence, and it was 25% then. So it does seem worrying that we're stuck, you know, um, and, you know, OK, 1%, I'm you know, is 1% and, that, you know, any victim, that's horrendous. But the thing that gets me is we're not going down, even though, you know, people, there is, has it is fair to say there has been some improvement in attitudes over 17 years, but, you know, yet, what? how do we explain that, I suppose, overall, if I can be a little statistical wonk, if you like, on that? Sure. Look, I, I agree that it's uh, quite depressing to see those stats not moving, Uh the kind of the optimist and pessimist in me uh, thinks that perhaps 2016, which was a year where LGBTI issues were LGBTIQ issues were the subject of such intense political and media debate, that that visibility and debate translated into increased verbal harassment and and even physical uh, violence in that 12 month period. And you know, the optimist hopes that in future years that that will come down, but that still doesn't explain um, away the fact that it's you know, three in four experiencing verbal abuse over their lives, or, mm. or one in four um, physical abuse or violence. This is this is an ongoing issue, and we certainly haven't addressed it yet. Yeah, um, it, I suppose it raises a point. Um, I, in terms of Victoria, the number of people who are assaulted overall. Um, is 2% of the population. Um, that was the last I heard. I'm not sure if that's gone up. That may be a few years old. But obviously they're not assaulted for being heterosexual or fitting expectations about gender, etc. Um, what's Have you got a current figure for um, the broader population in terms of assault um, at the moment? Uh, look, I don't, unfortunately. Yeah, and no, I just thought I might check that. But it's obviously way above, and of course we... Um, you know, acknowledge all sorts of groups face, um, um, you know, prejudice and discrimination and it's going to be disproportionate, which I suppose leads us in, let's say, um, you know, gosh, ran- random where to start. Um, 
And I suppose, you know, if you're part of two groups that face discrimination, so I will start, let's say, what sort of findings came out for our um, original custodians who are queer of your two um, parts of research released so far? Look, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who were also LGBTIQ uh, experienced higher rates of both verbal abuse and physical abuse. Uh, In terms of verbal abuse, uh, instead of one in two in the last 12 months, it was 65%. In terms of uh, physical abuse or violence, in the last 12 months, it was 15%. So it essentially doubled the rate of non-Indigenous Australians. Um, And and that's a pattern, in fact, that was repeated across uh, some of the other um, groups that responded to the survey as well. When you say some of the other groups, you're referring to which ones? So in particular, within the LGBTI ah. community, not all groups were equal. Um, yeah. And then when people say uh, responded that they were both trans and gay or trans and lesbian, yeah. um, the rates could be higher again. Yeah. yeah, so we get to double whammies and triple whammies and all that sort of thing, um, which is, of course, so often the case. Yeah. Um, now, I'm going to give again a trigger warning um, for, um, you know, the, the content we're talking about, but I suppose we have to face this. Were there any particular stories you asked for qualitative comment as well, as well as just getting, you know, the sort of numbers, if you like, um, the, or sorry, um, asking the people behind the numbers to contribute? You asked to contribute some of their stories. Were there any that really, and I'm going to ask another question about this, any that sort of stood out um from your point of view, you know, sort of any that really made you, even as a seasoned campaigner, go, holy, you know, I won't say the rest? Uh, the short answer is lots. Mm. Um, it, it was quite hard going to, to go through and try yeah. to analyse and, and be fair to, to these comments. Um, one that I have in front of me is from a, a trans respondent about the verbal abuse that they've uh, experienced, and the quote is, Without going into detail, I've been referred to as a tranny and had both my sexuality and gender identity mocked and invalidated repeatedly. I've been told to kill myself an innumerable amount of times, including being told to get my teeth and gender straight or kill myself, and that my gender is cancer. This is just a short list of the abuse I've suffered. Uh, And that uh, we're both long-term campaigners, but that's still just cuts me to the core to hear that that's still what it's like for people. Oh, look, you you tapped into me from your end of the line. I was, you know, much going to say exactly the same. I mean, you know, it is just horrendous to think there's that level of extreme. And again, we would um, urge people to seek support, including, including QLife, 1-800-184-527, if there is anything distressing in this conversation. Um, it's, you know, it's it does seem beyond belief, um, you know, that, it's happening. Um, I suppose there's something that is curious. I mean, you know, often we hear that it's people's, we'll say, outward gender expression that can lead to queer phobia. If you are someone who is a trans woman but perhaps appears in a very feminine way and is able to, we'll use the language, blend in as someone whose society is going to think of as female, then it can be easier. Were there any did anything come out of your research on that that angle of gender expression, regardless of whether we're talking trans or gay, lesbian and bi? Uh, look, there, there was, um, 
particularly in the, the physical abuse or mm. violence report, some comments about policing of gender identity and gender expression. Yeah. Um, and in this context, uh, some of the the physical abuse or violence was, in fact, from partners or intimate partners ah, yep. um, or, or even friends and other members of the LGBTI community. Um, so one of the, the quotes from the physical abuse report, uh, I've been sexually assaulted by partners because of my gender non-conforming behaviour to try and correct me into being femme. Um, or this, uh, or another quote, uh, when I wasn't out a big, about being a trans man, this bi girl that also knew I was bi thought it was okay and appropriate to sexually assault me and grab my vagina. Whew. Yeah. So you've t- you know you've gone into some you know two of the two issues that you know are ones we also need to discuss, and that's you know intimate partner um, violence and within rainbow settings, but also the issue of. Well, I, I, w- I would normally say lateral hostility, but this is lateral violence, you know, that happens across the rainbow communities and within, so to speak. And, you know, that's, you know, it is just, I, I don't really know what, how to put this into a question. As you can hear, I'm struggling a little. But, um, you know, it's, it, it seemed I tried to read as much of the qualitative stuff as I could, and I have to say I didn't find it easy, but it seemed there was a lot of that there. Um you know, did you? You've clearly come across a, a lot of that sort of stuff going on within the rainbow, which doesn't help anyone. Uh, look, absolutely, and uh, you know, one of the really disappointing parts of the verbal harassment or abuse stories was that there are at least twenty stories where that verbal harassment or abuse came from other members of the LGBTIQ community, mm. and that, uh, in particular, was uh, anti. Bisexual and mm. anti transgender. Yeah. Um, and in fact, there were a couple of comments that, in the comments themselves, people were making anti trans comments, which uh, I then chose not to reproduce because they were extremely offensive. Um, so the, the idea that we are campaigning to get rid of homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, etc. We can try and do that in society, but we also must do that within our own community. Yep. Um, in the words of the track we played before the interview, we need to do it in our house as well. There's a, something for the new Victorian Pride Centre to think about how they're going to make it a safe space for all. Um, partic- you know, and that's going to be a big challenge. So, yes, definitely one we've got to keep working on. Um, the other question I wanted to ask you, I mean... This, as you know, as we're discussing, is really difficult for all of us. And you're a recent, you know, you're as a, you know, as mentioned, a part of the LGBTI community, you know, a seasoned campaigner, a researcher. But the, what sort of support did you have as you were trying to look through this? This must have been incredibly difficult. Who, who cares for the carers? They say, how did you manage that? Oh, uh, look, there, there were times when I uh, had to talk through a few issues with my partner. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he's been great support. Uh, I guess to some extent I was more motivated to get through it and do justice to the 1,600 people who had chosen to answer the survey, the hundreds of people who had given those examples. And so in that context, sometimes it's easier to to accept that responsibility and push on uh, and and you can do that, not not as a robot, but you um, kind of perform that role and then you move on. So yep. uh, 
rather than try and take on everything that you're reading because that that would be too difficult. Oh, unequivocally. Yeah, well, look, um, thanks also then to your partner um, for being such a support um, and helping um, to produce this you know, much-needed research. Whilst you haven't, you know, it wasn't a question I don't think you, would, you asked or would have asked, I suppose the question that comes up, you know, you mentioned, or I suppose, you, and you mentioned a bit of this already, you know, sort of um, where do we go from here, which wasn't what you asked, but as, and you mentioned, you know, you know we need to, um, you know, complete and we'll say unify um, anti-vilification laws around all the states, territories, federally. Um, anything else has, that has come to you that's saying we really need to do dot, 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 anything that's leapt out to you that's saying we could make a difference if we did such and such? Oh, look, lots of things. Um, we really need to ensure that the plebiscite stays dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these reports demonstrate why it was the right decision uh, to avoid a protracted, um, intense campaign about our community's rights. Uh, I think that they also demonstrate the need for programs like Safe Schools, yeah. um, whether it's called something else to get around political problems, I don't know, but there must be a program in every school that not only lets uh, people know that who they are is okay, but tries to stop the abuse and the the violence against uh, those groups. Um, And I think that there is a responsibility on state and territory governments to undertake anti-homophobia, biphobia, transphobia campaigns. Um, that so far has been done in a very ad hoc and patchwork way. Um, But these ongoing high rates show that simply an anti-discrimination law is not enough. Mm. It has to be complemented by um, social campaigns to try and change attitudes as well. Yep. And, you know, it was... You, I, th- I think there's plenty of evidence to back that, thinking back to 2012 when we had both the um, Beyond Blue left-hand campaign and the campaign No to Homophobia, which also included No to Bi and Transphobia. We did seem to get a real, I think, some degree of shift at that time. So we need to, yeah, have campaigns like that, whether it's reviving those or newer ones or whatever. Um, but I think it's got to happen totally so. Look, Alistair, I, I can only thank you for putting in all the effort and organising this. Um, and everyone, please check out um, Alistair, A-L-A-S-T-A-R, Laurie, L-A-W-R-I-E, that's all one word, AlistairLaurie.net for all the details of this. But I, again, do take care reading it. It's, it's difficult. But Alistair, for you, thank you for making the effort. Thank you for ploughing through and thank you for what you've done. It will make a difference even if one politician listens one person listens but i think a lot more have to so i appreciate that you made the effort and also thanks for your time on a sunday to discuss it thank you very much sally pleasure and yet we'll stay in touch um, and let our listeners know of course i forgot to mention when the next four parts are released um really vital research thanks again have a good sunday you too Alistair Laurie on the line from Sydney, and as I say, very sobering stuff. Again, I will, I'm going to be overcautious. I don't think we can be with that sort of research. You can hear I'm sort of a bit gobsmacked by it. Still am, even trying to discuss it. 1-800-184-527 is the number for QLife, the queer counselling service that links 
um, all the state and territory-based ones that exist around the country, but please talk to someone if you are distressed. And, yeah, I think, um, you know, that um, to sum it up, yes, it's a picture that sometimes we can forget um, if we create our bubbles as we do sometimes. We have, If we are able to get a safe space at home or at school or at work, we can sometimes be a little blissful. Um, well, you know, we don't want to get depressed, but we also have to remain vigilant and have to hang in there. So we'll keep doing that. All right, um, let's make our house, and Australia is our house and the world is the house for all world queers. Um, let's make it our home, as was the previous track. Let's have a couple more tracks now at least, um, and let's get to the point where partners of any gender can walk down the street and, in the words of Nicolette Forte, hold your hand. 3CR, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au, out of the pan with... This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 855 AM, Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. It can if we stand up on 3CR, um, 855 AM digital, 3cr.org.au. Um, and on demand with um, Sally and Out of the Pan, the angels from their wasted wasted sleepless nights, the definitive greatest hits. And prior to that, um, we heard from Nicolette Forday, Hold Your Hand. Yeah, tough going, but we've got to do it. And I've got to say, Alistair sent me a message afterwards saying he's going to debrief and perhaps I should too, and I think I will. So again, please, if there is anything in that interview that was triggering, but we did, as I say, we do need to discuss it. QLife, one eight hundred one eight four five two seven, or for trans-specific services in Victoria, you can check Transgender Victoria's website. Lots that have happened, and one thing I forgot to mention in the last couple of weeks was the sad passing of Trevor Grant, 3CR presenter and long-time lefty who did two great shows on the station, um, Refugee Radio and What's the Score Sport. Trevor, a great person in seeing intersectionality and, um, very importantly, um, often... I was on the show a couple of times to talk about trans and gender diverse and intersex in sport in relation to sport. But of course, queer refugees, a big issue as well. Um, Enjoy all the good media in the sky, Trev. And while someone who's up in the good place um, being good is um, Chuck Berry, who sadly left us um, early this morning, Australian time as well, musically. So, um, yeah, it's a big place beyond the sky. Lots coming up, though, this week. Um, got to give a mention to Alphabet Soup at Denbar in High Street. Um, have a bowl of it. It's going to cool down after tomorrow, so um, that is the weather. So you'll be able to enjoy the soup, but um, a very friendly space for queer people and families. Um, Bent TV on this Friday, they're putting up lots of new episodes, or uh, sorry, very old episodes all the time. Find out what I looked like when I was um, before I was a middle-aged pan chook um, from when I was on Bent TV in the 2000s. They're going up at the moment. I'm not sure if that's a reason to check on to benttv.org.au or not, but do it anyway. Um, lots of trans stuff next Saturday. The Anxiety Group is on at Drummond Street in the morning and trans family for trans people and families of all sorts. Um, and then next Sunday is FTM Shed. 
Um, other things that are coming up very, very quickly, because I'm running rapidly out of time. Um, Queer Film, of course, is moving into its second week, opened on Thursday night and the full um, evenings of programming and then Saturday, Sunday, and then the Back by Popular Demand Monday week is all happening. Um, oh, and forgot to... Uh, mention we've had lots of texts from roving reporter this week i sorry i didn't get to them while i was talking to alistair um sadly mr wilson and co want to take rights away from ethnic groups and give it to the privileged elite to vilify the vendetta against 18c is a case in point um yeah and it's why we shouldn't be um reducing 18c or equivalent um, legislation we need to be expanding it so it's really an ambit claim um sort of approach. Um, um, Roving also says, wonderful research. Sally, well, it's really wonderful research. Alistair, um, he gets it. Um, Roving has also said um, regarding Mr Dutton's ignorant comments um, um, about um, the you know, the business staying out of the marriage debate, police is about all I can say, and I'm with you, um, Roving, on that they are ignorant, so that's why I say police. And also um, your Uber driver yesterday saying that she was a lesbian and told about homophobia in the outer suburbs of Sydney. And now they're quite rightly, um, yes, there's a woman's only Uber service called Sheba, which is safe for the LGBTI community and is definitely supportive of trans women. Might get them on to have a chat too. I've got some homework to do after this show. Um, So, yeah, lots happening. And very quickly, um, two weeks um, from yesterday will be the Trans trans Teddy Bears Picnic. Um, 1st of April, one minute afternoon, so there's no April Fool's, through to 5pm, Darling Gardens, Clifton Hill. There'll be a reading from the fabulous Jess Walton from Introducing Teddy. Dress-ups for yourself and your bear are optional but desirable. Bring your bears. They can be a great support for queer people. And we're animal diverse. We're not animal policing. They can be bears, dogs, rabbits, anything else. Um, We're not going to care. So come along and have lots of fun. Um, and it'll be at the lawn between the barbecues and the bandstand at the Hoddle Street end. Um, and two 3CR fundraisers, just to put in the diary, I'll talk about these in the next couple of weeks. Um, Thursday the 27th of April at 6.30 and 30th of April 1.30 in the afternoon. Um, lots of great queer peeps in there, um, Fiona Scott Norman, Clem Basto, amongst others. So um, I'll give you more info on that in the next few weeks. But right now, I'd better get my, out of here and make way for Freedom of Species, talking all things animale. Don't forget to check out their podcast of last week's show in particular, Awesome Advocacy Stuff. Take it out today with, well, what we've got to keep on trying to do. Um, always remain vigilant. M people had it right in the 90s. Keep moving on up. Next week, my guest on the show will be Michelle Brooker to talk about the Teddy Bears picnic. But for now, I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.